A Black Lady Sketch Show is a sketch comedy series set in a limitless magical reality full of dynamic, hilarious characters and celebrity guests. Salon calls the series a comedy revolution. Nominated for three Emmys, including Outstanding Variety Sketch Series. How do you build a futuristic Los Angeles? By synthesizing it with Singapore and a little bit of Spain. We're here today on Crew Call with Emmy-nominated Westworld production designer Howard Cummings. One of the big things about season three is we go into the outside world. The outside world is Los Angeles, and that's where the Delos headquarters is in, on the show. It's um, actually, it's in Francisco. It's in uh, where? So you, San Francisco. Okay. So when we see Tessa fly in, she's in San Francisco. Correct. And so she, she also lives in San Francisco and her husband and child live in San Francisco. Okay. One of the most I, brilliant... I, I, I personally found it confusing as well, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, she flies around in that AirPod a lot, and that's the reason why. She's always trying to get to work, because it's really only, you know, a like, 45-minute flight or something like that. What I want to talk about first, because it's so gorgeous, so futuristic, is you guys shot in Singapore as well as Spain, because the Dallas headquarters yep. is largely in Spain, from what I understand, that building. Correct. Uh, you know, I started very early on the process, like even before actual production, to start developing concepts or general direction for what the new look of the show, because it's basically, it's a reboot, really because we're into a whole different world. And so uh, uh, fortunately they gave me enough time ahead of time before everybody started, comes on there going, what the heck does it look like Howard? And I have to let them know. So uh, I started developing uh, like sort of a lookbook of what Los Angeles would be like and what future technologies would be. And in that process, we were sort of deciding, okay, let's go and look at what all the new stuff Los Angeles has to offer check it out, and then, we, which we did, we took the visual effects supervisor, Jay Worth, with us, and he said, but Howard, I still don't know what it looks like. And then so we started saying, well, if we're gonna shoot primarily location-driven show, which is this is, we, not everything could be done in Los Angeles, so we'd have to enhance it somehow. And so Singapore sort of came into, as an idea of, a futuristic, uh, a city felt futuristic that had all the qualities of order and greenery and elevating that the that Jonah Nolan at least were asking for, and so uh, it was my job also to sort of do a pitch to HBO to try to convince them that this was a great idea for us to go over there and and shoot as many scenes as we could. So which. Which we did. We actually, you know, took a bunch of directors. We all went through out with three different units and 
got as much as we could in the shortest period of time as possible. And it really did help. So, so in the shots, when you look at the show and that AirPod is flying into Los Angeles, you are seeing like real Los Angeles buildings and next to them, Singaporean buildings, along with some other buildings that we got from a world famous architect named Yarke Ingalls, who was kind of like our futuristic advisor on the show. He, he's a Danish architect who's got super cool buildings at, he was a big fan of the show. He came to visit uh, in season two and struck up a friendship with Jonah Noland. And uh, so I, it was a great opportunity for me to work with, with somebody like that who has a real vision of what the future is and sort of marry it to our show. And so he gave me like 450 different buildings that, uh, that never got really real. I could use also to, to sort of pick and stick into our new Los Angeles. And therefore, you can sort of create an amalgam of what Los Angeles might look like. So with the skyline, with the skyline, like I know there's a shot where the camera's going over and we see one Wilshire, which is great. Um, and we're talking about the pilot episode, Parse Domine, which you are nominated for. Um, Yes. Did you, first of all, are you involved in post on this film as far as VFX and oh, yeah. the color correction and the look of it? Do they, I mean, aside from building the sets and everything, do they bring you in for the post? Because there's a significant amount of design that goes on there. That's all somewhat concurrently as well. So like, so in the beginning, uh, Jay Worth, who's the visual effects supervisor, he and I early, early on talking about, he's, he's asking me, what the, what the heck does it look like, Howard? Like, I need to know where this is going. I mean, you know, because we started looking, we started early on just scouting, like, there's a lot of new Los Angeles. There's a lot of new buildings that haven't even opened up, thank God, we could get into thanks to, uh, we have a location manager named Mandy Dillon, who's kind of amazing. And so we kind of did a tour to say, here's what we think we could get out of Los Angeles. But Jay Worth, the uh, supervisor, yeah, but what does, I still don't know what that looks like. So then, so, so in the beginning, I would, um, with a concept artist, illustrate key scenes, like where we were shooting, some key scenes, and what do the buildings look like around there? So for instance, uh, you, you get this new character, Caleb, this year, and Caleb works in a construction site. So I sort of did, we did renderings of that whole construction site, what the construction, what futuristic building materials and processes are used, but also the buildings directly around it. And then there was a big scene with Dolores uh, and, outside of in MacArthur Park. And there you saw a big view of the skyline there. And so in the process of illustrating the buildings, and I was taking buildings from Singapore and mashing them up with LA buildings and LA buildings were, you wanted to keep, you know, they don't, you're not, in the future, you're not gonna tear down everything. There's that one Wilshire still going to be there, really. And there were some historic buildings. That was part of it. I wanted that sort of grand. So you synthesized you know, something them. Based. You, you put them together. And I wanted that 
I didn't want the future to look, you know, we're not doing Tomorrowland. You know, it, it, it wasn't, a, it's not fantasy in that way. I, I, I sort of grounded in, in, in a reality. So, yeah, so uh, when we started, uh, Jay came to me and said, you know, we need to kind of make a map of, of Miami, of, of, sorry, of, uh, of LA and, and start placing these buildings because I don't want to repeat buildings. So we started actually making a map of what the future lost us. And there was sort of a backbone of buildings going from Chinatown all the way down past the Staples Center. And you kind of see the most you ever see that connection in. And then, so when they're flying in on that AirPod and, and Dolores is there with her new boyfriend and she's in those, she's flying over Singapore buildings that have now been placed within Los Angeles buildings because we used real footage. We I love it. That's not all made up. You talked her several times to get the right light, lighting and stuff and to get these shots. And, and then it's all in enhancements at it. One so thing was you, in the midst of all this. When did you start doing that? Did you start doing that in post? No, I started it way even. I, I they were actually. Uh, it was great. It was great week. I actually got to work on it. So I started designing the look of what this was going to be way even before everybody else started on the show. And we had this great opportunity, uh, this, this uh, sort of world-renowned architect, his, he's uh, Danish, and Bjarke. And Bjarke's like, you know, like a, a honestly young hotshot. He's just, and I had picked his buildings because I love them for future Los Angeles enhancements, you know, ideas, inspiration. But weirdly, he kind of, um, in the show, in season two, I got word from somebody else to say, hey, do you know Bjarke Ingels? He wants to come and look at that. And I said, kidding. And they go, no. And I said, and I go, and Jonah says, oh, isn't he that architect? And I said, yes, he's the architect. I keep showing you his things. And so he came by and um, I gave him a tour. I thought it would last an hour or so. He was there for six hours. Oh, wow. And he did her on we saw filming and stuff like that. Then he met Jonah Nolan and they hit it off and be, actually became friends. They actually, they went up. And then so uh, Bjarke was like our advisor for future Los Angeles. And he also came up, felt strongly about Singapore. And then on top of it all, Bjarke let me use access to like four. four 400 miles that he had to help build the skyline as well. So that was just, you know, great kismet. It was great. It was, uh, and so, so we were building the Los Angeles while we were shooting the show. So every time we go to new scenes, I meet with Jay and we talk about whether feature or not feature, and then uh, kind of build this Los Angeles. That's brilliant. What was your inspirations? Like, were there certain drawings or influences? I mean, it, it's, you know, immediately we could say, oh, Blade Runner, but it's cleaner and, and it's as sophisticated 
as as Blade Runner, but it's not as dark and, and dystopian. It's geometric and like you said, organized. Yeah, and that was very important. And that was sort of the setup for uh, everything going to hell in a handbag. You know, it's like, uh, because Dolores comes in and kind of wrecks everything. And so, uh, uh, we, I, so in the beginning, in this process, early process, I would just pick like architecture that I, that I felt inspired by and maybe could tell the story. So one of the places I picked was um, uh, the City of Arts and Sciences in, uh, in Valencia, Spain. And that's designed by this architect, Paolo Trava. And, um, and we're looking at, at it and I get, you're going, yeah, this is so amazing and sort of all freeform architecture. It's very, uh, you know, it, but it, it, it's a whole arts complex. And I thought, hey, why don't we use this for Delos Corporation? I think it was originally written as a high rise in San Francisco. And I was going, oh, I think it should be more like Google. And this was certainly, you know, and I said, because we, and then we started to have to talk about what Delos do besides making robots and a, you know, in a theme park, basically. And batteries, they, you know. No, joke. Yeah, no, they <laughs> did, and we decided they do a lot of things. They do all different kinds of robotics yeah. as well as bio, biotech thing. It's a, like huge, it's more, it's like a, it's supposed to be a big powerhouse. And I felt like we were gonna go to Spain, we knew we were gonna go to Spain because uh, um, uh, it ends up being, uh, going into, uh, World War II park. You find out later it's a virtual park. It's not the real park because the park is still destroyed. Everybody went crazy. The riot happened of the robot riot. So we knew we were going to Spain. I said, well, if we're going to Spain, we got to go to Valen. So once again, um, we uh, took a bunch of our directors and like in three days uh, with three units shot at, at every inch of the place that we could and you know uh, hopefully not looking at one another uh was uh so funny because you know we we go in the scout van and and i everybody in the scout van and we uh get to the location and then all the directors would run as fast as they can to try to find the best spot you know it was like and then i'd have a referee you know about like okay this seems going to happen here and what we're going to do over here so but it was uh that way, and I felt like I love one thing I liked about that as inspiration and that architecture was it was sort of freeform concrete. And I was going, how do you, the language that we had for the laboratories, the Delos laboratories at the park, which were all concrete and kind of, you know, they're, you know, our palette is basically black, gray, white, and red. And so how do you do that? So for the city of arts and sciences, it's entirely white, which I thought was a great contrast to the, to the labs of season one and two. Uh, but it still had the same um, sort of language of architecture. The, did, um, with the arts and sciences campus and Delos Corp, it's so gorgeous. I mean, it's to the point where it's symbolic you know, the, the oval and egg shapes of everything. Did you add anything? Did you add anything to enhance what was already there? In the, you know, as we fly in? When we, 
No, I, I actually the main buildings are the main buildings. We actually didn't uh, fool with those. What we did is, if you'll, you if you look, you can actually see parts of this campus was supposed to be sort of I think it's called Brisbane, right? Just sort of north of the current San Francisco Airport. So we imagine that San Francisco was going to start to move down the coast because San Francisco is growing south. And so we kept, okay, it's moving toward the airport. The airport's gonna now be very close to the city. And so uh, you'll see that we actually kind of manipulated some San Francisco buildings into that, in, into the shots around the complex, but we didn't alter the complex. And, I, and then once we got permission from the City of Arts and Sciences to shoot there, I could start drawing up the interiors because we shot all the interiors. Well, no, we shot all the offices, and but we shot some of the interiors there as well because they're so spectacular. But all that kind of swoopy, you know, architecture and, you know, there's no straight lines. It's all kind of, you know, like you said, you know, egg-shaped or what was uh, something, uh, you know, that I sort of knocked off the <laughs> uh, sort of lobby of the opera house for the main boardroom and some other rooms uh, that were just spectacular there. So Charlotte's office and then the boardroom, were, were those interiors at the campus? Uh, no, I built those. Those were built in Los Angeles. And we had a lot of scenes there. And then actually, uh, I never, the boardroom was so specific, I could never do anything. It's a TV show. So you actually have to, sometimes you have to take the sets and kind of monkey with them to make them other sets. So Charlotte's office was also sort of the control room for the, uh, uh, she goes in, she's hacking into the system. It's also, I, we move stuff around and added different screens and, um, and made her office also that. So she, it's kind of, I was a little nervous because she kind of leaves her office and then goes into this room. So she's basically going out of the room and coming back in the room. And I had to make it look so significantly different you couldn't tell. David, if you want to fall out of your seat laughing, you gotta watch HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show. It's a sketch comedy series with performances by a core of black women, including Robin Thede, Ashley Nicole Black, Gabriel Dennis, and Quentin Brunson. They all portray an array of dynamic and varied characters, as well as hyper versions of themselves and interstitials featuring four friends stuck in a house during an, an end of the world event. Nominated for three Emmys, including Outstanding Variety Sketch Series, watch HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show. So Maves, obviously in, in the epilogue, the, the World War II German village is really Spain. Um, how many interiors Italian. how many interiors did you have to build and were they all built in Los Angeles? Uh, so we shot, yeah, it was supposed to be an Italian town because they're Italian partisans. But it was like, uh, so we, but we shot in um, uh, a little town north of Barcelona called Besalú, which is a beautiful town. It's beautiful. And so, uh, and uh, not so big that we couldn't, you know, 
get cooperation with the city to because we have shut down a segment of that town for at least three three or four days uh and then um and then added to it that they had just put a beautiful marble uh paving in the piazzas or the plazas that was beautiful but also not very world war ii so i actually asked them if I could put dirt down so you can see and so we did the whole place as well and um but we shot um there's a scene where she, uh, when May first wakes up and that's in this little it, it turned it's like a villa that was kind of like uh also a museum uh part of it was a museum uh like if you go through her bedroom door there's this beautiful room who, which we weren't allowed into this was a sort of a public part of the museum that we uh, were allowed to shoot in. Uh, and um, uh, well, actually, where she wakes up is a set in Los Angeles, but it, I built it to match the location. So you could go in and out of it. And then when she opens the window and she looks out and sees all the, you know, uh, Nazi uh, soldiers, uh, villagers, that's in the real building looking at the real window i mean that that shot kind of looks it's like it's been totally augmented the only thing that was augmented was the nazi giant nazi symbol i put a red flag up but we didn't want to put a giant nazi red flag up for lots of reasons and so that they digitally uh, added the swastika to that but the rest of that was all real so we, 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 we got uh, period tanks and vehicles and guns and, you know. But all and of then, your interiors, all of your interiors for the first episode, were they built in Los Angeles or were you using? Well, in the first episode, uh, you're seeing a mix of Los Angeles and Bethlehem. Uh, and then later on in the season, um, we did some more interiors, and those were actually one of them to location in Los Angeles. That's an old chocolate factory from the 30s, and it's this really cool location where you walk into a store that just looks like a regular store, and then you go through a door in the back, and it's completely this German, it's actually German tiled vaulted room that was used as a, uh, a chocolate like a uh, place where you could go and buy chocolates back in the 30s uh, so uh which was actually next door to um where we shot some of the stuff with dolores hiding in underground and that was in the old subway tunnels of los angeles and we shot those on the same day because they're really close to one another so which is really cool like it was so fun to go to be in Los Angeles and then you go through this building and then you go through this kind of construction site and then you go down to it and there's a whole like um, subway station, like full on subway station without the train. But like, I, I had no idea they were that big or that, you know, it was just like New York, looked just like, you know, you, you know, cause I used to live in New York. It just felt like I was back in New York with these crazy tunnels that they don't go anywhere because Tall buildings have now been built and used it, uh, gone used it for foundation. The cool. uh, the um, but there's things that it just shows you. There's lots of things in Los Angeles you can use. The the futuristic designs, the bikes, the cars, uh, the, the 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 flying taxis. Uh, 
there's a bit of an Elon Musk feel to them. But uh, I was, can you talk about your inspirations in the futuristic designs? Once again, like Blade Runner, very cool, but not as, but not as, um, it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, Baroque looking uh, as, as what is, you know, no, it's I, I, and cool what you have. Mostly we are trying to also, for those vehicles, a lot of them were sort of um, meant to express sort of corporate power as well. So that's why the kind of like, I mean, honestly, a Cadillac would be a bigger inspiration for, for like some of those vehicles, you know, uh, like, I mean, there's some nice Cadillacs, but the, you know, but, but um, as opposed to, you know, yeah, you're right. It, they were not meant to be funky and mechanical. They were meant to be kind of sleek machines. Uh, and those we had to work really early on. I mean, to make a functioning concept vehicle like that, I mean, it's a minimum of 12 weeks from the time you fully design it to you hand it to the team to do it. Uh, it's about 12 weeks. And we, you know, the, you know, for the show itself, I have about, officially have about 11 weeks of prep. So right when I started, I was behind the eight ball trying to get these vehicles done. So, um, and everybody did the best they can. The, the, the motorcycle, because Dolores gets on it, uh, was super challenging only in that, not only had, did we have to, you know, so it's supposed to be an autonomous motorcycle and how that would function. But we actually had to make it, make a version of it. And then we had to get um, Evan, Rachel Wood, to get onto it. And it had to be made for her because she had to look good on that bike. And uh, she's not a big girl. And so you wanted this muscly bike, but then you had to, you know, make her fit into it. So we made adjustments and stuff. So in the end, when it showed up for the first time, the poor guy working on it was like, we're like sticking parts onto it as fast as we can. And, uh, uh, but um, it is, there is an influence of Elon on our show. He, he is friends with Jonah and Owen, you know, they, they kind of, uh, so there is discussions going back and forth. He, not directly, in, you know, I've never talked to him. And so, but I know that uh, we definitely discuss some of his uh, ideas of what the future might be. I mean, the whole, you know, um, interest in sort of artificial intelligence run amok is related somewhat to some of you he has as well, but a lot of people do. So I wouldn't say it was specifically him. So, now, but, um, this idea of the future, this organized future and heading to the geometry of Singapore did this begin back in season two when we would begin to see glimpses of the real world? Definitely. We started talking about it in season two. And I thought there was actually going to be more in season two. And then in the end, there wasn't. They never really, you, you, they get out, but you never really see where they are. And so, um, one thing that was always connecting everything was uh, a house that Arnold had. And that yes. house, um, yeah, that house. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that house is, um, uh, 
Frank Lloyd Wright house that we actually shot that's in Pasadena. It's called La Miniatura. The one uh, that's set at the it, side. Uh, that it's, it's the house where they go to at the end of season two. We kind of see it. I want to say at the big, we see it, I want to say, in episode two, I want to say, of this season. But it's the hub. It's Arnold's house where the machines yeah. are. And it's kind of, it kind of has this kind of, forgive me, because I might, uh, like a, a Mexican-Egyptian kind of sort of uh, feel to it and its colors and its designs. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and I think Frank Lloyd Wright used a lot of those, what you just as, as inspiration for how this sort of, again, it's actually concrete. It's a concrete building that's made out of this decorative block. So uh, season two, when we were trying to find this house um, uh, or this place for Arnold, uh, John was always talking about Frank Lloyd Wright House and uh, Fortune that House came on the market. And um, we kind of zoomed in like we were there day one to get in there to try to, to convince them, um, you know, it'd be great to have a film company shoot there. So season two, we, we, we actually shot there. Season this year, we, uh, for various reasons, we couldn't go back there. A lot of it had to do with schedule, but also, you know, it's Pasadena. Um, people aren't exactly thrilled to have film companies like, you know, come, you know, especially lawyers, uh, which there happens to be a couple in that neighborhood. But, uh, uh, but we, so we decided for what we were going to do this year, I had to replicate that house, which was uh, fun and challenging. But then also because of stage, re, uh, stage we, we had so many sets, I was just filling up all the stages. I had to make them unitized to become different parts of that house. So you actually, if you, you could shoot the room in one direction and then or something and you flip it around and it would be a, like the, it was the living room and then it was something else. And so we, uh, I had to make a, like a sort of kit of, of Frank Lloyd Wright things, but it had to match what we had shot the year before. So wow. uh, it was an interesting challenge. But, uh, and, but, that, you know, and that's all because those, someone uh, bought the house. Yeah, they weren't, nobody was particularly interested in having us come back. And we sort of have pressed, you know, nothing bad happened and it all went well. And, and uh, I think they used a lot of the money to help fix up the house, you know, from, this, from us being there, which would, was great. And, um, uh, and then, you know, Jonah's got a real respect for Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, his mother was a docent at the Hollyhock House. And so, uh, which is another famous Frank Lloyd Wright house in uh, Los Angeles. And so it's all, you know, sort of the family as well. So, which was kind of cool. So, what about so that house, we kept saying, that house was supposed to be in, in uh, you know, some, didn't know at the time in season two, what city it was going to be in. But in the end, it turned out to be Singapore. So um, in, in regards, going back to the car, the futuristic vehicles, did you build most of them physically or was a majority of them designed in VFX? Um, it, it was a mix. So the motorcycle, we had two of those. That was, that was a built functioning motorcycle. 
uh, it actually, uh, and the, uh, there was a kind of a ride chair uh, that kind of, uh, it was kind of a black, uh, jo Jonah felt like it should be like uh, uh, utilitarian and that it, he didn't want different colors. It was more like a Model T version of, you know what I mean? Sort of that idea of this sort of black vehicle. And we felt like, like it had to have a lot of class because if you were sharing a vehicle with other people, you don't, you want people to see in, you know, so it, it's meant to be non-private. So that, um, that vehicle was, uh, we also built completely and it functioned and it ran around and it had a hidden driver. It, we had to build it into, build him into the trunk, you know, because it wasn't actually autonomous it, and it was a gas motor. So you had to, we had to squeeze in the motor and the guy and do it all safely and have them be able to see and, you know, uh, and have it function so it can pull up and do things. And there's a little car chase with it, a couple of car chases so that had to function pretty well. The AirPod, we ended up building, um, designed the whole thing, but it, we built the only just the cab portion. And so that people could get it out on it. So we would bring it to MacArthur Park. And we were hoping to do something. It was built to all like on a frame that you could drop so that it could move. And so uh, it had this sort of structurally built around this uh, framework. So there was a lot of engineering involved in that. And, but the sort of, it has these kind of um, beautiful swoopy sort of wings that incorporate um, the blades and everything. That actually is all virtual. We never actually built those. So it's a mix. And then we had some great access to some real concept cars as some other kinds, like there's an Audi that Dolores pulls up in, in I think episode two to go to this crazy party. And that was like such a beautiful car. I mean, I've, and that was somewhat autonomous, it only went five miles an hour, but it was stunning. So we actually had to schedule around it because it went to a car, it travels. And so we shot that scene months after we had actually shot the party sequence, we had to go back again, but it was worth it for her and getting out of that car. Looking back at the, uh, the season three opening episode, what was, what would you say was your biggest challenge as far as designs go in terms of, in terms of implementing something? Uh, I, I think probably um, what we were just talking about, the concept vehicles are, because they involve so many different departments, it's special effect guys, stunts, all, it's, it's in, to try to, and just the manufacturing time that involved, trying to coordinate all those things to get, the, get it to show up. We ended up having to, no one, group could build them. So we had to divide it up into different groups uh, and each had their own building method. And it, so it was just like, it was, a, I had one, one guy whose jo only job was to those cars and deal with, you know, the day to day, cause it was day to day, uh, the adjustments that recorrect, you know, um, we had a concept artist, Victor Martinez, who modeled all the cars, you know, because you don't just draw them a pretty picture, you have to actually make a 3D model. And then from that, they, they actually will start, will do set designs off of that. But the modeling process is, uh, takes a while as well. And uh, so, and then all, and you know, 
like all the props and everything, they all have a certain look in the show. And that's all with um, uh, Jonah Nolan's very, uh, it, it's very important to him. And he's, he's so into it and that sort of the technology is. I mean, he was, he and Lisa both actually, you know, there's, if you watch his scenes uh, in the show, um, uh, you'll see that people are wearing masks in the, sh in the uh, uh, when, you, when you see the crowd scene. And it was hard for us because at the time, you know, being, it was a year ago, uh, every time we'd have the crowd scenes, we'd have to remind people, it's like, you forgot the mask, you forgot to get, the, get those, get people masks. And that's because they said they felt that there was going to be like a global, a virus that was going to cause a, a you know a big enough impact on the world that it it would it was always going to be there and this was their vision like two years ago so uh um we incorporated stuff like that and people you know i mean they're fans of the show you just look at every part of it, which makes it really fun for me it means that the detail work that i spend time on actually people appreciate so it, that's super rewarding Howard Cummings, thank you so much for joining us on Crew Call. Howard Cummings is nominated in the Outstanding Production Design for a Narrative Period or Fantasy Program category this year at the Emmys for Westworld. And he has won Emmys for his designs on The Nick and Behind the Candelabra. Thank you so much, Howard. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro, and our podcast series has been produced by David Janov. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.